Good morning. This uh, morning we will be reading in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And that, in the blue Bibles in the back of the seats, that is page 487. And if you need a Bible, you don't have one at home, please feel free to take one of them. It is our gift to you. And that is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thus says God's word. All right, let's let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true and completely reliable and that your your word the scripture um will make us wise unto salvation lord and and we pray um and ask as we do each week lord that you would um, take your word and that you would apply it to our hearts um that you would cause it to to take root in our hearts lord and that you would produce a crop a good harvest in us for your glory lord um, I pray that you would would edify and build up this body, make us more like Jesus. Um, and I pray that that this morning, um, through my my words, my thoughts, Lord, that they wouldn't be a hindrance, but that Jesus Christ would be glorified in our midst this morning. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you as always. Um, today is the third week of Advent. Time is flying by and Christmas uh, is coming soon. And my hope is, as I've already said, that this season would be a lot more for us um, than just all the commercial distractions that, that go along with the Christmas season. I, I pray that these weeks are more for us than shopping and buying and, and holiday parties and decorating our homes all of those things are fine but but I pray that that in these weeks we would we would truly be able to focus on the glory and the goodness of our savior and on God's plan for us his people and uh, we're in a series right now called Emmanuel which means as as we know it means God is with us Emmanuel, God is with us. And, and I hope and pray that in this season, we can appreciate and celebrate and be in wonder of the great, great lengths that God has gone to in order to be with His people, to be with us. Um, we talked about, um, in the last couple of weeks that, that God created us, His purpose in creation was so that he might be with us and dwell with us, right? And that's not like in just some kind of strange mystical sense, but God literally and physically desires to be with us, to be near us, and to dwell with us. And when we rebelled against God and were cast out of his presence, he sent Jesus, his only son, to save us, to redeem us, to reconcile us, that we might be with him and enjoy his 
presence again. We talked about how the, the curtain in the temple that, that literally acted as a, a barrier between God's presence and man, uh, when Jesus was crucified, was torn in two, uh, right down the middle. And so, then when we get to the end of the Gospels, Jesus has miraculously and gloriously risen from the dead. He's defeated sin and death. He's crushed the head of the serpent by going to the cross. And so, surely, this must be the moment that we've been waiting for, right? This is when Jesus is going to reestablish His perfect kingdom. This is when Jesus will reunite heaven and earth. This is when Jesus will refine, will finally restore His creation and will be able to return to an Eden-like state. This, this must be the moment that we've been waiting for. But then, what does Jesus do? It's interesting. Uh, Jesus leaves, right? Jesus goes back up. He ascends back up to heaven and goes back to the Father. So, um, and this, this makes for kind of an interesting passage in Matthew 28, uh, because he commissions his disciples. He tells them to make disciples, and then he tells them that he's going to be with them forever, and then he leaves. Right? Have you ever, have you ever thought that was kind of interesting? That Jesus says, I am with you always as he's leaving them. So, what's happening here? What is up with that? I thought that God's great and glorious plan was Emmanuel to be with and to dwell with his people. Why is it that Jesus is now leaving and going back to heaven? And what I want us to see this morning is that Jesus leaving and going back to the Father is in fact very good news for us. And that Jesus ascending back to the Father is not an interruption in God's purpose to dwell with His people. God's purpose, His His unshakable, unchangeable purpose is still Emmanuel, to be with His people. And so when Jesus tells his disciples that he will be with them always, he's not exaggerating, he's not, he's not lying to them, he's telling them the absolute truth. And here's the thing, um, we, we sometimes tend to think of God's presence with us as a past and a future reality, right? So God was with us at creation, and then God was sort of with us in the tabernacle, the temple. And then God was with us um, during the life of Jesus. And then God will be with us again when Jesus returns. But Emmanuel, God being with, God dwelling with his people, is not just a past and a future reality. Through the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, God with us, is a reality today. It's a reality right now. And so, I want to take some time this morning, and I want to think about and and celebrate and rejoice in the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 
and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in us. Because I think, and I think most of you would agree with me, I think there's a lot of confusion in the church when it comes to the person and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may come from church backgrounds where the Holy Spirit is seen not so much as a person, but more as a, a mysterious force or power. You know, kind of, kind of like Star Wars, where, you know, kind of the force where, you, where, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit comes on you and, and you get these, um, you get these weird supernatural gifts, talents, things like that. Um, so the Holy Spirit comes on you and it causes you and allows you to do strange and bizarre things. So you'll see, you'll see services where people are, you know, rolling around on the floor shaking or, or people laughing hysterically or, or barking like dogs or, you know, whatever it is because apparently the Spirit has come upon them. Um, or maybe you associate the Holy Spirit more with some of the supernatural gifts like uh, like speaking in tongues and prophesying and things like that. I remember um, uh, my sister-in-law, she she uh, she told a story once of and I don't remember if it was part of a church service or part of the Christian school, but there was she was in some kind of of worship service and the people there were wanting the kids to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they were going around, you know, you know, putting their hands on people's foreheads and I don't know, saying the magic words, I guess, to, to get these kids to, to receive the Spirit. And, and, uh, and their, their goal was to get all these kids speaking in tongues or something like that. And so my sister-in-law, you know, she, she kind of felt, she kind of felt pressure because it seemed like all the other kids were doing it. And so when it was her turn and they came and put their hand on her, she just kind of, made up some, you know, random words and just, you know, whatever, just, just said something random. And apparently it was, it was good enough for them because then they pronounced that she indeed had the Holy Spirit, I guess. I don't know. But all, all that to say is, is, is some of us uh, come from backgrounds where that's kind of how we think about the Holy Spirit. Right. If you truly have the Holy Spirit, then there's a couple of these signs that you're going to do and you're going to have. Or maybe you come from a church background a little bit more like my own, um, a, a background where the Holy Spirit, the topic of the Holy Spirit is not discussed a whole lot. Now, certainly we acknowledge the Holy Spirit as part of the Godhead part of the Trinity. Um, but besides that, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. We don't talk about the gifts of the Spirit a lot. Um, we have a lot to say about the Father and a lot to say about the Son, um, but we just, you know, we don't get into the Holy Spirit too much. Um, and a lot of church backgrounds uh, or traditions will even um, deny that some of the supernatural gifts are are relevant for the church today. So they would say things like tongues and prophecy and that kind of stuff. That doesn't exist anymore. That was a reality with the disciples, but God doesn't work that way anymore. So there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of confusion on the purpose of the Holy Spirit. 
what the Holy Spirit does for believers. And, and to be fair, um, we could have some very long, detailed discussions on the gifts of the Spirit and their proper role and application in the church. We're not doing that this morning, um, but that's a good thing to talk about. But, but here's my question. Why did God, why did Jesus send us the Spirit? What was God's purpose in sending us the Spirit? Now, remember... Remember, think about what we've been talking about these last couple weeks. God's purpose, God's overarching purpose and story from Genesis to Revelation is to glorify himself through Emmanuel. God's purpose is to be with and dwell with his people, with you, with me, right? Uh, listen to this passage in John. We'll we'll be in John a lot this morning. John has a lot of great things to say about the Spirit. John 14, verses 15 through 17 says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit is Emmanuel, right? God sends believers his spirit in order to be with them. The spirit is sent in order to dwell with the people of God, to be near them, not just near them, but to dwell in the people of God. And that is good news for us. God with us, Emmanuel, is a reality today, right now, in this moment. When you go to work tomorrow, God goes with you, right? Because God doesn't dwell in a traditional temple anymore. God doesn't dwell in a tent anymore. What does the scripture teach us? That you, as a believer, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, through his spirit, dwells in you. So Emmanuel is a reality today, right now. That is awesome. I've uh, I've often thought over the years that uh, the disciples, um, the disciples had it, had it pretty good, right? The disciples got to hang out and, and be with Jesus and learn from Jesus day in and day out for this multiple year period. How many of you have ever had, um, a person in your life that, that acted as a, a spiritual mentor to you? A lot of you, I'm guessing. Uh, someone who discipled you, encouraged you, challenged you, prayed for you, loved you, maybe sometimes corrected you when you needed it. But that's a blessing, right? That's a blessing to have someone like that in your life. Now imagine having Jesus in that role, right? That that would be pretty cool. But the reality is, is that we have that too, that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us every day. 
every moment we have Jesus with us through the Spirit. Jesus tells the disciples that just as he's been dwelling with them and helping them, he's going to send now another helper, the Spirit of Truth, who will dwell with them and be with them always. And the implication is that the Spirit will help them in the same way that Jesus has been helping them. Right? So just as Jesus ministered to and helped primarily 12 men, the Holy Spirit ministers to and helps everyone who's put their trust in Jesus, in the Son. But how does the Spirit help us? How does the Spirit minister to us as believers? It's it's not by making us bark like a dog, right? It's not by uh, giving us a laughing attack. It's not primarily by making us speak in a different language, although certainly capable of that. It's not primarily by giving us prophetic knowledge, although the Spirit can do that. It's not by giving us warm, fuzzy, nice emotional feelings in our belly, right? The Holy Spirit ministers and helps believers by reminding them of Jesus. Reminding us of who Jesus is, what Jesus said, what Jesus did, who we are in Jesus, and what Jesus has promised he will do. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Listen to these verses from John. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John fifteen twenty six. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. John sixteen fourteen. He will glorify Speaking of the Spirit, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit is not primarily so you can have a nice emotional experience or receive supernatural gifts. It's so that you can trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Right? The Holy Spirit witnesses to you about Jesus so that you can repent, believe the gospel, and in turn be a witness to others. That means, I want you to hear this, that means that the most clear evidence for the presence and work of the Spirit is where Jesus Christ and His Word is loved and exalted and glorified and treasured. Right? Let me say that one more time. The most clear evidence for the presence and work of the Spirit is where Jesus Christ and His Word is loved, exalted, and glorified and treasured. Right? If I go to your church and and you are loving and exalting and glorifying Jesus in His Word, then that's a Spirit-filled church. And whether you are, whether you've got people in the congregation back flipping down the aisles like in Blues Brothers, 
or or whether you've got ministers wearing formal robes following a very structured liturgy, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. If if you are exalting and and loving and trusting Jesus in his word, then that is where the spirit is present and at work. And a, and and the fruit of the spirit is then the result of a heart that loves and trusts in Jesus, right? So through the Holy Spirit, we have the presence of God in us, with us, to dwell with us and help us every moment of every day, in every circumstance, every situation. And that's awesome. That's incredible. That's why Jesus says in John 16 that it's a good thing that he's going away. Right? And, and I read that passage and I think the disciples must have thought Jesus was crazy. Jesus is like, hey guys, I'm leaving you and it's a good thing. And they must have been like, what? No, come on now. Jesus, what are you talking about? Right? If, if my wife came to me and was like, you know what, David, I, I'm leaving you, but it's, it's gonna be a good thing. I'd be like, that's not a good thing. I'm, you know, I'm dead. I'm helpless without you. Please, please don't. And I, and I imagine the disciples were kind of thinking the same thing. Jesus, you can't leave us. How? How could that possibly be considered good in any way? But Jesus says, it's a good thing that I'm going because when I go, then the Spirit will come. And whereas Jesus primarily ministered to 12 men, 12 disciples, the Holy Spirit ministers to and helps all believers. All of us. That includes us. And so... So, so think about this. As, as Jesus helped these 12 men, these 12 disciples, the Holy Spirit helps us. As Jesus prayed for his disciples, the Holy Spirit prays for us, prays for you. Um, Luke 22, this is at first glance a, a frightening verse, but then one of the most hopeful verses in the Bible. Luke 22, 31 and 32, uh, uh, Jesus is speaking. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus prayed for his disciples that their faith would stand firm even during the most fierce attacks from the enemy. Jesus prayed in John 17 that the Father would sanctify them and keep them from the evil one. And similarly, the Holy Spirit prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays for me. Romans 8 says that the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is praying for you today that you might stand firm. You can withstand the attack of the devil because of Emmanuel, because God is present with you. Matthew chapter 20, the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Um, and I read this passage, I always, I always imagine them kind of walking down a, a dirt road and, you know, they're kind of bickering. I'm, I'm going to be greater. No, I'm going to be greater. And I, I just picture Jesus kind of walking in front, just kind of rolling his eyes like, oh, here we go again. 
All right, I can so relate to the disciples. They're so much like like us. But they're arguing about, okay, Jesus, when your kingdom comes, you know, who's who's the, who's going to be greater? Who's going to get to sit on your right and your left? Who's going to have the a bigger, fancier crown to wear? Who's going to have a bigger mansion? It's it's going to be re- me, right? And no, this person says no, it's going to be me, right? So they're arguing and bickering. And and what does Jesus do? He calls them out on their sin. But he uses the opportunity not just to correct them, but, but to disciple them and to preach the gospel to them. He says, he says, this is how the, this is how the Gentiles live. This is how the Gentile kingdoms work. But with you as my follower, you will be different. Your life will look different. You will be like the son of man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And and in the same way, the Holy Spirit comes to believers and convicts us of sin, but the purpose isn't just to scold us or to dress us down. The purpose is to help us to be more like Jesus, right? And so you and I can overcome sin in our lives because of Emmanuel. Because of the presence of God dwelling in us. Matthew chapter 8, the disciples are with Jesus out on a boat. Pastor Mark referenced this in his prayer this morning. They're out on a boat when all of a sudden a great storm blows in. And and the scriptures say that the boat is swamped by the waves. Right, And the disciples are absolutely terrified. Right, They're thinking... They're thinking, you know, th- this is it. You know, uh, we're we're about to we're about to sink. We're about to drown. And so they are they are crying out to Jesus in absolute terror. Help us, save us. And uh, and Jesus challenges them on their lack of faith. Right? He challenges them on their lack of faith, but he also calms the storm and and he saves them from being overwhelmed by the waters. And similarly, the Holy Spirit helps us and comforts us and saves us and sustains us in the midst of storms and trials and hardships. And when we cry out in times of trouble, the Holy Spirit reminds us and helps us to stand firm, helps us to have faith. And so, we can make it through any trial. We can make it through 2020 because the presence of God is with us. God is with us. Emmanuel. Uh, but if we're honest, um, we, we tend to be a lot like the disciples, right? The disciples, they, they look out, they see the waves, and they forget that the Son of God is literally in the boat with them, right? God has graciously given us His Spirit to dwell with us, to help us, but we forget that God is with us because we're more worried about the things happening around us. We're a lot like the Israelites, terrified of a giant when God Himself is fighting for us. But thank God... Thank God for his purpose to be with us, to dwell with us, 
to send us his spirit. Thank God for Emmanuel. So it is good news that Jesus leaves the earth and ascends to heaven because it means that he will send the spirit to dwell with us and to help us. But that's not the only reason that his leaving is good news, right? Because what does Jesus go back up to heaven to do? Is Jesus just needing a bit of a vacation after his time on earth? A bit of a rest? You know, he, he came and did a lot of stuff and worked hard and a lot of ministry. And he just needs a break for a little bit. So he's kind of, you know, tag team the spirit. And now it's your turn for a little while. Um, I'm going to rest up and then I'll be back. Is, is that what's happening? Obviously not. Um, listen to, to John 14, what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. This is John 14. <coughs> Excuse me. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is not up in heaven taking a 2,000-year nap, right? Jesus is in heaven preparing an eternal dwelling place, an eternal home for you, for his church. He's preparing the new Jerusalem for his people so that we might dwell with him and live with him for all of eternity. Now, here's what here's what you need to understand is in early Jewish culture, um, when a young man proposed to a young woman, he would then leave the woman and he would return to his father's household in order to prepare a place for his future bride to live. Right. So it's a little different then than than it is here for us. You know, you, you didn't back then just get married and then, well, we'll go off and we'll find an apartment together or whatever. You know, we'll get someone to build us a house. But generally back then, you lived together as family units. And so when a man and a woman were married, then the the groom would go to his father's house and he would basically do an add-on to that house. And then the wife, after they were married, would come and dwell with him um, as a part of the father's house. And so uh and so the the groom would uh would leave the bride and he would go to prepare a place for his bride to dwell. And when the dwelling was finished and he had permission from his father, then he would return for his bride and they would celebrate the wedding feast and they would consummate the marriage. And the bride knew The bride knew that the groom was coming back. The bride knew that the groom was coming for her, but she didn't know the exact time or the exact hour that he would come. And so she had to be ready for his return. She had to be ready at any time, any moment, day or night, for the bridegroom to return for her. And while she waited, it was her job then to prepare herself to get herself ready for the wedding, right? 
So in John 14, when Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to his father to prepare a place for them, he's using wedding language. They would have understood that. So Jesus hanging on the cross in our place is his proposal to us. And instead of giving us a ring, he gives us the Holy Spirit, who Paul tells us in Ephesians is a seal that guarantees our inheritance. Or in other words, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that Jesus will return for his bride. He will return for his bride. And when Jesus returns for his bride, there will be a great wedding feast and celebration. How awesome that's going to be. But in the meantime, the bride of Christ, and that's us, that's the church, the bride of Christ must prepare herself and be ready for the bridegroom to return. And again, this is how the Holy Spirit helps us as believers. First John chapter 3 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We know as the church that the bridegroom is coming again. The bridegroom will come for his bride. And we know that the bridegroom is holy and pure and that he will make us holy and pure as he is. And so if we have this hope, then what do we do? How do we live? Do we go pursue worldly pleasures while we still have the chance? Before we're shackled to the old ball and chain? No, the scripture says, those who have this hope purify themselves as he is pure. So you cannot prepare yourself for the bridegroom while you're chasing after other lovers. If Jesus is coming for me to make me his own, then I want to be ready for that. And I want to prepare my heart. And I want to pursue holiness. And I want to be sanctified. And I want to be ready. I want to be ready for the bridegroom when he returns. And that is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And will do in us. The Holy Spirit is Emmanuel. God with us today. Right now. Every moment as we prepare ourselves and get ready for the coming of the bridegroom, right? Um, the year that uh, the year that Katie and I were engaged was a uh, was a, both a very exciting and a very difficult year. Um, we got engaged um, pretty young. Um, I won't tell you how young we were, uh, but we were we were very young when we got engaged. But after we got engaged, um, I moved to the Chicago area um, to go to school, and Katie was still in Vienna, Austria, um, and she was working. And we were both, in our own way, uh, getting ourselves ready 
for a marriage, for a wedding, right? And so um, Katie uh, was in Austria. She was working, uh, making money, saving up, and she was planning and preparing for the wedding that was going to be happening in the summer. I was off in Chicago, and I was going to school and studying so that I could um, uh, get a degree, get a profession, so I could um, then provide for our family in the future, um, preparing for us to, to be together, to be married. And so we were, we were both getting ready. And in one sense, it was an exciting year, right? Because there was a wedding that was going to be happening. It was, it was coming up. And, uh, and so, uh, there was excitement that we had made promises to each other that we were going to be together and we were going to spend our lives together and, and we were going to, uh, together pursue Jesus and, and together maybe, uh, if the Lord is willing, raise a family and, you know, do ministry together, all these things. But there was, there was excitement, there was anticipation, and yet we were apart. We were apart. I was Chicago, she's in Vienna, and we did get to communicate. You know, these are these are kind of back in the old days, so you know, we emailed a lot and um and we got to talk on the phone on a landline. Um uh, about once a week, we got to talk on the phone because uh, it was very expensive calling from the states to Austria, and uh, and so we had we had some communication, and yet um, we were we were separated. We weren't together, and so although there was a great excitement ab- about the reality that we were engaged and about what was coming, there was also. Um, very much a sense of longing and yearning for something better that was coming, right? There was something much, much better ahead. And, and that is, <clears throat> that is the tension of Advent. That is, that is the tension really of the whole Christian life. We as the people of God should be full of joy that we are sealed to Jesus through the Spirit, that the Spirit dwells in us, that we are empowered through God's presence with us today. We are full of hope because the wedding feast, the celebration is promised. And yet we're not there yet. And there's a, there's a longing and a desire to dwell with Christ fully. But get ready, church, because the bridegroom is coming. And that's a promise. And we will dwell with him forever and ever in all eternity. And so, uh, for this, for this third week of Advent, I want to encourage you, um, on, on your own or, or to take time with your family this week and thank God for sending you his spirit, the spirit of truth. Give thanks that the Holy Spirit helps you, uh, that the Holy Spirit reminds you of who Jesus is and helps bring to mind the gospel, all that Jesus has done. And give thanks that as, as Jesus is preparing a place for you, the Holy Spirit is helping you to prepare and to be ready for the wedding.
it's going to be a celebration to end all celebrations. It's going to be a new beginning when God brings the new Jerusalem, when God finally and ultimately reunites heaven and earth. It's, it's going to be incredible. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, but let's pray together. Father, I, I, I confess, and I, I think a lot of people can relate that we we are a lot like the disciples, and um, we get scared of big waves around us, um, even when Jesus is right there with us, Lord. And uh, and I I thank you for your presence with us today, right now. God, I thank you that you didn't leave us or abandon us, but that you sent us the spirit of truth um, to remind us of the gospel, to remind us of the work of Jesus, um, and to apply to our hearts the word and the work of Christ that Jesus accomplished. Thank you that we get to celebrate that in a moment. Um, And Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would walk and live with a greater awareness and understanding um, that you are truly with us now. Your Spirit dwells in us. And through the Spirit, we have you with us in every moment of every day. So may we, may we live and love like a people who truly are indwelled by the Spirit of God. And may you, through your Holy Spirit, continue to transform us, continue to make us more like Christ, and continue to fill us with hope and longing and yearning for our bridegroom, for the wedding celebration, for new Jerusalem, for new heavens and new earth. Thank you for the hope, the incredible hope that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to um, take some time, as we do each week, and we are going to celebrate um, the Lord's Supper together. We're going to celebrate at the Lord's table together. And the table is an opportunity for us to enjoy the presence of God in just a really, really special and meaningful way, together as the body of Christ. And, and, And the table, the Lord's Supper is a reminder to us of what Jesus has done, right? Right? We we we're reminded of his broken body and of his blood spilled for us um, as we partake. It's a reminder of what Jesus has done, um, but also of what he is doing right now, which is Jesus right now is preparing a table for us in heaven that we will sit at and celebrate at for all eternity. And coming to the table now, we get to look forward to and enjoy when we will be at the Lord's table for all time, celebrating together with Jesus and together as the body. How wonderful that's going to be. How awesome. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus 
on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Father, thank you. For sending your son to be broken and bruised and bloodied on our behalf. To bear our sin. To bear our curse. That we might enjoy everlasting life in your presence. Lord, your grace is greater than we can comprehend. but, But we give you thanks, Lord. We give you praise for your goodness, your mercy, your steadfast love, and your faithfulness poured out on us, your people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will do, the promises that you've left us with, Lord. And so help us to go with with eager expectation and yearning and longing for what you have promised, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys would put your hands in a receiving position. I'm going to read the benediction over you. Once again from Revelation 21, verse 3, which says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Go in peace.